host the episode. Are you hosting? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Welcome to the No Happy Ending Podcast, where there's happy friendings. I've heard this like three times now, but there's three levels of questions, and sometimes we talk about them, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes? <laughs> but today, we're going to be talking about the what-ifs of life. Sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes there's questions, and sometimes... But today's episode, there are questions. Sometimes? <laughs> All I'm saying is... I'm just saying, there's going to be some happy friendings today. Sometimes. Today we got some special guests. I have Paul and Eddie with me. Sometimes. With Brian in the background as our honorary guest. Sometimes. But I'll be the one that's hosting this, as you can tell already. I, I haven't mastered the opening, but that's okay. I, I'm pretty good at what I do. So, uh, would our guest like to say anything? Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Paul. Nice to meet you. Hello. My name is Eddie. Lovely to meet everyone as well. Thank you, thank you. Welcome back, guys. It's nice to have you back. So, Eddie proposed a great idea, which me and Paul absolutely love, and that's the what-ifs of life. It's going to be some uh, hypotheticals, a lot of uh, deep, emotional, dark thoughts. We're going, we're going dark, right? Yeah. Right? Cool, cool, because uh, I'm, I'm down for this. So if you It's guys a learning are, experience, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. This is our, our first test where we're just going to dive straight into the meaty part of the conversation. I, I'm saying meaty because I thought of dark meat, but I'm kind of hungry. Anyways. You know, it's crazy that this is the most energy I've seen Willie have on the podcast. Yeah, it's, got, it's, it's, it's called it's, faking it until you make it. And if I'm going to be the host, I have to bring host energy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he's coming for that spot. Big vibes. Hot. Big vibes. That dark energy. Coming in hot. Yep. Your director Just position. like a fajita. Yeah, and I'm actually pretty excited for this episode. We don't we don't really dive into the, stri the, the, the dark topics really quickly. The dark so. energy. Yeah. I mean, Man's got dark that's energy. my entire vibe, you know, like... Darkness. I am always dark, so I'm excited to hear what these guys say. Melanin. Yeah, so uh, how about you start us off, Eddie? What, what were you thinking for, the, for this episode? Darkness. Uh, I don't even know how, uh, why or why I got into this topic or this subject or whatever, but I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, just the what ifs in life. life. Like, yeah, we have like the lighter, harder ones that don't matter as much, but then like, it's those what ifs that eat that will you know will eat away at you for the rest of your life and it may not like you know like i would hope that no one here loses sleep over it per se but you know it's one of those things that you can't let go or you'll never forget for sure you know yeah it's like one of those ideas that just like every now and then it pops in and then it you know you just kind of think about it for a while so is there a particular thought on your mind uh i mean when we talk about this topic i think like one one does come to mind uh i had a friend a close friend of mine who passed away um three years ago two years ago three three years ago i don't know time flies three years ago um it happened during the summer and i remember when i got the phone call uh got the phone call seven in the morning that she had uh, taken her own life the mm -hmm. night before. And when I got the call... Sorry to hear that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, when I got the call, it's, it's one of those like surreal moments where it's like, is this actually happening? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, mm -hmm. 
he, he called me, he was crying. It was, it was our mutual friend. He called me, he was crying, and he told me what happened. The phone call maybe, it felt, it went by so quick, it felt like it lasted 10 seconds. Um, but he was like, yeah, I thought I should let you know. I was like, oh, thanks, man. And I was like, hey, man, take care, like, be easy. And just hung up, seven o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but anyway. Yeah, that, that's a lot to take in that early in the morning. That's not something you would ever expect, really. It just mm. kind of like out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, I think like, I, I, it, maybe, yeah, maybe it would have felt different if it was like in the middle of the day, you know, or like even at the end of the day or something, but like, just like to be woken up by it. Yeah. Um, Surpri- yeah. Surprised you went to work. Quite honestly, uh, I called. I took the day off. Okay. That's good. That's I didn't good. know how to handle it. Um, I, yeah, I didn't know how to handle it. I think like that day, or later at, I don't remember what I did for us that day, but later at night, I drove to visit. At the time, she was living with her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and I was also friends with him. So I drove up to visit him. Obviously, everyone else did as well. Or everyone else who knew about it. Um, we stayed for a while. A lot of heavy stuff. I mean, we talked about what happened, like why it happened, um, why, like you know, why would she do it if she meant to do it? Mm-hmm. He took a lot of the blame for it because I mean, he he was her significant other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the people closer to the situation kind of had an idea that it was going to happen, but they didn't think it would actually happen. And I guess you would say it's a hard way to learn like, hey, it's it very much possibly can happen. I always, I mean, the thought, the idea of suicide has never been new to me. I mean, we hear about it all the time in the news, we hear about it on social media, we hear about it in movies, so on and so forth. And so I always thought that, hey, you know, if someone wants to commit suicide, no one should ever feel bad about it. And so I didn't feel bad about it. I, I tried to, everyone's griefs in their own, grieves in their own way. And so I'm not gonna tell someone that they shouldn't feel bad for it. But I was like, but I tried my best to, you know, just, hey man, I'm here if you need anything. I didn't try to tell him how he should feel, what, well, you know, what he should think. It's like, hey, I'm here for you if you want to talk. And we always talked, but I, in my own thoughts, in my own head, I was like, you know, no one should take the blame for it because at the end of the day, it's their decision, you know. Um, and so I, I went home that night and I, I cried about it because it was, it, was, it was very, it's heavy, it's a very heavy feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, do I wish I could have done more? Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, for people who've come from like struggle mm-hmm. you, and sadness, you sense that sadness in other people you meet. It's, it's something that you can't explain. You just sense that sadness. And so when I met her and as I got close to her, I sensed that sadness in her. And it's not, a, it's not your typical sadness that someone will ask for attention, but it's a sadness that like, it's a sadness behind a smile. Yeah. She was always the sweetest person ever. And I, I'm one of those kind of people that questions how, why is this person being nice to me? And 
with her, I always felt like it's because she doesn't want anyone to be sad. And why wouldn't she want that? Because she herself feels that sadness all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, you're saying you basically she knows what it she knows what it's like to be sad, and she doesn't want anyone to experience that. Yeah, and I I I try to do that too. I think I mean I don't know. I think people around me would be able to answer that. Tell me if I do try if I do that or not. But I think for a good part of my life growing up, I was you know I was pretty depressed, and so I always did that naturally for other people. Um, but yeah, no, I, I cried that night, and I think that was the only time that I've ever cried about her passing. After that, I mean, you know, I we went to her uh, her viewing. Mm-hmm. Everyone cried around me, and I couldn't find. I I didn't cry. I would I would assume I would. I thought I would, but it was hard for me because I couldn't. I was the last person to enter that room. Mm-hmm. Everyone walked into the room and said their piece, but I was the last person to go in because I just I I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle that grief. Um, I guess it's because like I'm a doer. Yeah. I don't I don't believe in like wishing upon things and. Whatever, I'm just like, what can you do to make the situation better? So, to conclude, I think, like, that's one of my biggest what-ifs. It's like, what if I... What if I had gotten even closer to her? What if I was Mm -hmm. that friend for her? I think, at the end of the day, what I believe the truth to be is that, like, it's a chemical imbalance. You can't really change that for someone. You can maybe help them, but at the end of the day, everyone's different. Some people are unable to recover from it, you yeah. know, without the without you know outside help, as in like you know, whether it be like antidepressants or anything like that. Uh, but I mean, there's only so much you can do, right? And so for me, it's a, it's that what if like what if I had gotten closer to her? What if I was there? Yeah, those those sounds like pretty good thoughts for a doer. I mean, the weekend she she it happened on a Tuesday night, and. I'd actually missed out on hanging out with her that weekend because okay. something came up. I think I was supposed to hang out with that whole group, mm-hmm. but they live kind of far from me. <clears throat> uh, out of that group, I live the furthest. And I said, hey, I can't make it up because I got, I got caught up doing something. I did have plans with them, but I got caught up doing something. It took longer, and I was like, look, I'm just tired. I probably won't make it, but I'll, I'll see you guys later that week. Yeah, and that's reasonable. And I ended up, because I didn't go. I think something happened where I think the rest of the group didn't meet up. Oh. And she, I think she, she ended spending up that not that weekend by herself, or I don't know what happened exactly. <clears throat> but, but yeah, I mean, that what if right? Like, what if I had met up with her that weekend, and she would have been in a better mood for the rest of the week. But but do you blame yourself? Do you believe you're the reason why that group didn't meet at all that day? Sixty percent, yeah. Because it's one of those things where like I'm a big like I know I do this myself where I like bringing people together. I always try to bring people together. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't there to like force, sometimes I force people like because normally sometimes people are like on the fence about hanging out. I'll be yeah. like, come on, just come out. And then uh, we're outside your house, just come out. And I always ensure, I always try to make sure they have a good time. And, you know, 
like I, I try to read it right everyone's different some people just need to stay home and recover you know yeah but I started to read it and that day like had I had come through I think I would have kept everyone together and it, things would have been different I, I firmly do believe things would have been different that weekend had I not stayed home yeah that's that, that's a strong what if and I mean do you still blame yourself to this day that you know you could have saved her with that one action no so you think it was going to happen no matter what but you think you could have at least done more is basically what you're saying I don't know again like I don't know only she knows how what she's going through Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I would have been able to change her forever like I'm not saying that she would have lived to today Mm -hmm. but I know for sure she would have lived past that night Okay. If I had come through. And maybe, you know, she would have done it later that week. Or maybe something would have happened later that week. I don't, like, you know, as long as it's what if, so you never know. Mm-hmm. But I think that had I had been there, I, things could have changed. For, at least for those following days. Because I, cause we don't have, because at the time we were playing, they played sports. And Monday night, there's, we, they didn't have a sport, sporting event. So Tuesday night, she didn't show up to the game. That's how we knew something uh, was up. Okay. And so, it w- there was multiple days where someone didn't check in with her. That's understandable. Do you do you happen to know um, the reason why she decided to uh, commit suicide? So, or at least another you know, another one of those what ifs is that like I I always respected people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. And not by I don't know. Well, I always I was always afraid to push. Mm-hmm. Again, I always knew that she was sad, but I never sat down with her and be like, "Hey, like, what's go- really going on with you?" Right? I consider us close friends. Like, we talked every other day. We talked about gossip. We talked about sports. We you know, but we never really sat down and talked one on one about what she's going through. Like, I knew about a lot of our family and like I knew a lot of our upbringing, but we never like had a heart to heart about what she was going through currently and so um i'm sorry what was your question if you happen to know oh why she did it yeah so from what i understand after after she had passed that mutual friend that called me had said like hey she's she's done stuff like this before where like she's gone on the brink of killing herself Mm-hmm. And she had said herself, she just, she just she just wanted to see how it felt to get be that close to death, and it's there's been multiple instances of it. Okay, and it's like, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, she is her own person. We can't watch her twenty four seven, right? Like we can't. Yeah. It's it's at the end of the day, it's her decision. Yeah, at this point, it's like only a trained professional could probably handle those kinds of intense emotions. You, you can do what you can for her as a friend and as a person, but there are a lot of tools that you don't have at your disposal yet yeah, it's to, true. to help her with those thoughts. Yeah, I think... Um, so, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do respect that you, you were trying your best and you definitely grieved in your own way. I mean, even if you can't cry at her viewing, you cried on your own on your own time. You you definitely 
were trying your best to keep it together with given the circumstances mm-hmm. so that's actually really admirable it that's that's a really heavy topic for, for to be like to just have sprung on you because it's you never really think it's going to happen to you right you see it all the time but you never really think it's going to actually happen to you and when it does it's it's a lot to take in yeah i mean um i i don't think i did my best i did what i thought was best what i thought was my best effort but i think after her passing it's taught me to never leave a stone unturned yeah like if i when and again like if and i i learned this that i learned i guess i learned i learned this the hard way like hey if you ever like have a doubt about someone or if you're like curious about some someone's like well-being like hey reach out if if that person crosses your mind at all just reach out and just say just say hi and i think that that hello or that message or whatever could be the difference and till this day I do that like hey if someone come, comes across my mind or something reminds me of someone I'll send it to them or I'll just call them and check in and say hello like hey I haven't heard from you in a while stuff like that I don't know I think that is my best now but I think she she's helped show me that and it's it's just oh, it's just what ifs like know what if i'd known better personally from experience i think it really depends on the person yeah but like i said from my point of view i think you're doing a great job thank you um it does explain that like like some some people think differently and some people can say oh you should have done this you shouldn't have done that but there's also people like yeah that's fine those people are crazy if (laughs) anyone that's hindsight and you're just like oh you should have done this to do this it's i'm just saying to each their own yeah right right, right, right. Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, I'm just saying sure. personally I would fight those I find your <laughs> your um, decision making is sound um, are, were you done with your story or do you mind if I take over oh yeah no go ahead I mean um, well I, I just the reason why I wanted to say that was because like it was just something I wanted to jump off of um, so recently this April uh, my dad passed away from a brain aneurysm which is basically a blood cult clot yeah blood clot in the yeah brain. in the brain um so my what if is that uh i was wondering i i kind of i mean like if you listen to my story you're like there's no way you can blame yourself for that but i do put a lot of blame myself for that um i'm not sure what i could have done to really save his life exactly but i think of it over and over in my head Um, so he was, so my parents were actually coming up to visit me, uh, up from Florida. They planned a trip. Um, I recently got a house and they were like, oh yeah, let's celebrate. Let's go renovate, you know, renovate, renovate and, you know, put new stuff in the house, go shopping and all that stuff. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'll see you guys in 13, 15 hours. And, uh, so go to work or it was the night it was the night of and um or the night before the incident anyways it was like 11 p.m and i knew my parents were on the road but i was like hmm i was thinking about calling my dad just just because i always call them to see how they're up because you know driving 15 hours is rough rough on anybody and normally i would do that but i was like eh, maybe it's a little late so 
I decided not to call him. Um, and then I woke up, and then it was 7 a.m., 5 a.m., and I was like, eh, maybe it's a little too early to call my, my parents to see how they're doing. Yeah. So I go to work, and um, I was like, okay, I'll just call them when they're here later. Uh, I get a call from my mom at around 12 p.m. Uh, that my dad passed out in the woods, and he was flown via helicopter to the nearest hospital. And at this time, they were in Savannah, Georgia. And I was like, okay. I honestly did not know what to deal with it. My mom was, like, hyperventilating. She was, like, crying, sobbing, like, yelling. Just, you know, the average person who would right. find out that their significant one is just in danger of death. Yeah. Um, she was unsure at the time. But I was like, okay, call my mom down. Hey, mom, relax. You know, dad's on his way to the hospital. We'll see what... We'll, there's no point, like, you know, worrying ourselves right now. Right. Just go to the nearest station, have someone assist you, get to the nearest hospital. So she's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, I basically calmed her down. And then we got off the phone. And uh, I ended up working the rest of the day because it was a huge project. Um, I didn't want to leave the spot. So after work, I got in my car and I drove straight down to uh, Georgia. And uh, all, while all this was happening, I was uh, reaching out to the hospital, you know, saying, hey, there should be a patient that flew via helicopter like three hours ago. Uh, do you happen to know his current condition? And it was a lot of back and forth, like... Through my nine-hour drive down to Savannah, I called like around one a.m. and they're like, "Oh, we don't know yet. We don't have. We haven't had a patient, or like they sent me to the wrong hospital, like for transfer calls." And then eventually, it was like five a.m. the next day, and I called the hospital again, <laughs> and uh, they said, "Oh yeah, your dad was here um, as of now. His." current state is stable so I was like okay so what does that mean per se it means he arrived at the hospital stable I was like okay that is some good news to some degree so uh, I called my mom she didn't know about it yet so I said hey then I just called the hospital they're like my dad is uh doing okay or at least he's in stable condition so to speak and she's like oh okay great uh i'll see you soon then so finally got to the hospital and they tell me that uh he had a brain aneurysm and he probably died the moment well not died per se he was still breathing um he was basically pronounced brain dead like eight hours ago and my mom kind of collapsed I had to live stream all of it because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of friends wanted to go into the hospital to say goodbye to my dad for the last time but they couldn't because of the COVID rules yeah. so kind of pissed off my mom and me because we had like 20 relatives fly down drive down just say goodbye one last time 
but uh, they didn't let him in. So it is what it is. But uh, I just wonder if sometimes if I called my dad a little, if I just decided to say, "Hey, how you doing?" See if he would be like, "Oh, you know, I'm feeling like a giant headache in my head," or something. You know, maybe I should sleep it off. I'm not sure what caused the brain aneurysm, but uh, I'm just wondering if those two calls would have made any difference. And uh, fast forward to the funeral. Um, oh yeah, well, yeah, he was pronounced brain dead, which basically means he's basically gone. So uh, we went ahead and he was an organ donor, so they had like they had to take three weeks to process his body and all that stuff. And we had the funeral in Florida, so this was the most awkward part because you know this was still during COVID pandemic, and like everyone was hugging me, saying sorry. Uh, but you know, it's I had to like wash my hands every single time someone hugged me, um, mm -hmm. and. The worst part was when they told me that a lot of people went up and told me that, you know, hey, Paul, be strong, stuff like that. And I know that they had good intentions, and I'm not mad at them, per se, but it's placing an expectation on me when I don't necessarily want that. A lot, Also, a lot of people... You know, came out to me as like, hey, Paul, I'm sorry that your dad passed away. You know, I'm here if you need to talk. I appreciated that a lot more than the people, hey, you know, Paul, you got big shoes to fill now. You know, be strong for your mom. And I know it sounds selfish, but, like, that's not what I wanted to hear. Um, that's not selfish at all. Because, you know, they're placing the burden on you rather than just saying, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah, and they're, and they're not wrong because... I did have big shoes to feel. My dad feel. My dad's like between both my families. My dad's basically the village chief, so everything goes through him. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, you know, every day I'm just thinking about other what ifs. Not necessarily what I could have done to save my dad. I kind of, for the most part, accepted it. But my other what ifs are like, man, what if he was still alive? Mm -hmm. You know, he could see me where I'm at now, where in the future. Because I didn't really have a good relationship with my dad. Probably most Asian dudes can tell you that. <laughs> um, he was really strict, hard to please. So, you know, my, I just, my whole life, I just wanted to get the thumbs up from him. You know, the big... I'm proud of you, son, kind of thing. So, you know, graduating college, didn't do anything. Getting my first job, didn't do anything. Promotion, didn't do anything. Um, bringing home a girlfriend for the first time, didn't do anything. Uh, so I was, you know, trying really hard these last couple of years to make my dad proud. And very recently... Uh, I think about a month before he passed away, and he was—he called me. He's like, "Hey, Paul, we're gonna plan a trip up there and uh, come visit you." And uh, 
we talk normally as if I would call, you know, say how is he doing, how's I'm doing, Kongo Kwayao, stuff like that. Which um and for the I was I was just telling him about, you know, my future plans and stuff like that. And that I didn't want to be um in hotels anymore. And for the first time he was like it sounds like you got your life in order, son. I'm proud of you. And at the time, I was like, "This." Was, I just felt like it was a normal conversation. But when I got back home, I was giddy as hell. I was really happy. <laughs> uh, I was like, God damn, I got the thumbs up from Papa. Holy shit. So it was really, I was really happy about that. And now that... You know, I was like, I was excited. I was thinking scenarios in my head. I was like, man, fantasizing. Oh, my dad gets to see me five years down the road. I have a family. He can finally have his kids, our grandkids, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, now he doesn't get to enjoy that. Um, probably one of my biggest regrets. I know it's something that's out of my control. But uh, I always think about what are scenarios, if he was still alive and what he could enjoy, what what he could do. Little stru still struggling to this day, but you know, I think over time, only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, it's still relatively fresh, so it's it's okay to keep grieving, keep thinking about the what ifs. Is there a, is there a big one that's on your mind? No, mostly just, just a lot of small ones. Just a lot of the the. The things I wished he was able to experience before he passed away. That's all. Yeah. And uh, is there anything you would like to say to him right now? Um, there's a song actually. <laughs> I listened to it. I see. I don't know. I don't. When you're sad, I don't know if if it's bad to listen to sad songs. Or a good thing to listen to sad songs. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It helps you cope. I mean, anything. There, there's a song by. There's a song called "Hey Dad," um, mm -hmm. on YouTube. I played it a lot ever since my dad passed away. Uh, there's a verse in it where it says, um, "Mom says some days are better than others," and I think that's exactly how I feel right now. And if I could tell him one last time, you know. Do what you do wherever you are right now, Dad. You know, know, know that we will struggle a bit without you, but for time, I'm sure we'll be okay. I think so, too. And I appreciate you telling us the story of what's going on. And also, uh, Eddie, thank you for your story. And I'm also going to ask you the same question is, if you could say anything to your friend or just anyone that might also need help, you know, what what would you like to say? To my friend? Uh, yeah. I'd say, uh, I mean, like, would I say it to her if she was here? Or if I were saying... If, if there's anything that... These are the what ifs. Like, what if she, you could have said Let's this? say she visited you via spirit. Yeah. If she was and in you, this room right now with us. Yeah. Just This is just the what if... What would you say if you had an opportunity to say something to her? Oh man, I don't even know where to start. Start anywhere. I mean, I think I would tell her like, hey, you know, I think, I think you, you mean more 
You mean more to everyone than you thought. And I'll say that. I think, like, I think she... I wish she would understand how much she was loved. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. she left behind. She left behind a dog. And, I mean, I, w- I came over to the house, I think, like, every day for two weeks after. Mm-hmm. And he was just at the stairs waiting for her every single time. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think... But, see, dogs are simple, right? Like, dogs show it. Not always. <laughs> Not always. But yeah, things no, would be easier if we were. I but know. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I think to some degree they are. Okay, a, a lot of us. I, I'd speak. I'd, it's an understatement to say a lot of us felt the same way that mm-hmm. her dog did. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That's just. That's all I would say. That you were loved. You are loved. Still. I appreciate both you guys telling us your stories. That's that's heavy. Yeah, sure. Hope someone can learn from it if they're yeah. going through the same thing. Yeah, just know that uh, you guys aren't alone. If anyone that's listening, Willie, uh, do you have one? I have a ton of dark stuff, but that's for another day. Because I'm the host, and I'm here to listen to both of your stories. There's time for the episode. No, my story is too dark. No, it's actually not too dark, but it's not a, it's not the time and place. Okay. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So. Dang, a cliffhanger. Basically, if you guys ever want to hear my, my story, that's how you just, get excited for the next episode? Yeah, just you know? email, comment, subscribe, like, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Toshiba, 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 Toshiba Day. What's up? What's the actual email? No, no. No happiness podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. So if you have any questions or if you want to hear more stories that are a little a little deeper more thought-provoking please give us an email and you know if we get enough emails one then we'll, uh, we'll do another episode like this but thank you everyone for listening to our episode are you, and, are you ending the episode yeah i'm ending the episode okay that's that's I, actually, I don't know the timer on it so i actually don't know how far i'm supposed to go yeah i mean ideally i'm I hoping it's 40 minutes because if it's not then that's, that's no the, we're, we're not there what are we at then we're at like 34 and a half or so. Yeah, I would have stretched it out. I, I didn't actually know what the time was. Yeah. That's why I said we had time for a story. Yeah, but my story would be longer than 16 minutes. Yeah, why don't you just go for it? There's been long-form episodes anyways, right? The last two episodes... Well, there's been two recent episodes, depending on when this episode comes out, that have been over an hour anyways. Yeah. All right. I guess we're not ending the podcast here, and I, the host, will continue the story. <laughs> Plot twist. Very yeah, good. I mean, dun, dun. I totally get. Why did it sound like Law and Order? That was that was a long. Like, okay. That feeling of grief that Paul and Eddie both went through, that's completely understandable. Sometimes it actually feels surreal to me that I think about how my mom passed away nine years, almost ten years ago now. Yeah. It's like some things you just don't think is actually going to happen, and then it does, yeah. and it just. Oh yeah. It kind of takes a while to sink in, and when it does, you're just like, wow. It's a lot to process, because my mom's death was actually pretty quick. Uh, I was sitting on the couch with her on, like, a Wednesday, and she's like, hey, can you give me some prune juice? I don't feel so well. So I went to the store to get her prune juice. I gave it. I came back, and I gave her the prune juice, and immediately she said, call 911. And I was like, okay, what's going on? So I called 911, and we immediately went to the hospital, and... 
that was basically the week that my mom was going to pass away. And I visited her every single day after school because I, I was like 19 at the time, so I was starting college. And I remember right after school, I would go straight to the hospital. Um, at this point, my mom was delusional. They were like, she was hyped up on drugs. They had a catheter set in her. And they kind of, the nurses kind of prep you to it because uh, on the day that my mom passed away, they actually moved her to a separate room where, you know, it was just me and my mom and my ex at the time. Yeah. And I was at the point where I wouldn't Just really to clarify, your girlfriend at the time, your current ex now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, my ex yeah. now. So the current girlfriend at the time. Uh, it didn't really sink in that my mom was actually going to pass away that week because I was in that room, but I was actually just organizing Pokemon cards because I was like, my mom's just going to get better and then we'll just get out of the hospital. Right. So I was just organizing Pokemon cards to kill time. And my ex at the time was there just, you know, sitting with me, chilling. And I remember hearing that flat line, and my mom just kind of passed away instantly. Like, her eyes were still open, but the nurses rushed in, and I was like, what's going on? Like, I always thought there would be, like, this buildup to watching someone die, but my mom just kind of instantly passed away. Like, her eyes were still open, the nurses came in, they shut the eyes, and then they're just like... You know, your mother has passed away. There was no warning. There was no build-up. Like, one moment I was organizing smoking cards, the next, like, my mom's, my mom's gone. And it didn't really hit me in that moment because... Yeah, same with my Yeah, dad. like, the, the transition from whatever was happening to me to, like, the news that they just gave me, I was just like, like, what does that mean? I, I didn't see anything. Like, I thought, like, in the movies, you see, like, people convulsing or like there's something like dramatic that kind of like shows you it's gonna happen mm-hmm. but this one it was just silent and uh that was pretty eye-opening because i was just like wow this is real life and i remember that month i was driving and time really slowed down for me like whenever i was on the road i could see cars moving around me but everything was in real like slow motion because i th- i was so stuck on the idea that like even though my mom passed away, time was still moving forward. Like nothing actually slowed down for me. I was still going to school. I was, you know, still talking yeah. to people. Like people were messaging me, but time was just moving slow, slowly around me. But the concept of like everything is like nothing is stopping for me at that moment. I really wanted everything to actually just stop so I could process what was happening. Yeah, you're almost thinking like, does yeah. no one care? Hello. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird how fast. Because I understand everyone has their own lives, and I don't blame anyone for you know not being there constantly, which I don't really want. But it's kind of like the idea that you have to accept is people can't always be there for you. And yeah, it was like this burst where I had my mom's funeral. I didn't cry for her because it was there's just so many people. Like my mom is the opposite of me, where I absolutely hate being around people. But there is like hundreds and hundreds of people for my mom's funeral. And they all wrote my mom cards to give to me. And they all said they would be there for me. But it's just a very overwhelming experience when you have that many people flooding information into your brain and you're just trying to process what exactly is happening. You just, you know, I, so I kind of knew my mom was going to pass away at some point because she had liver cancer. And this was like the fourth year, third year she had liver cancer. And she didn't want a liver transplant 
because she just wanted to give that to someone else. She'd rather just live life and try to make the best of what was up, whatever was left. But we just didn't expect it to happen so soon. Okay. Yeah. So that was like a tangent. But basically, the funeral, I didn't cry. And after the funeral, I was writing like notes to every single person that came. And all my time was just spent writing thank you notes after thank you notes after thank you notes. But all I really wanted to do was just stop time because I was tired. And I'm just like, you know, I appreciate everyone's sentiment and thoughts, but I, I need to go into like a room by myself for like four years and just not talk to anyone, which is actually what I did. I actually cut, after all of that, I actually cut everyone from my life for like a solid three to four years where I just didn't talk to anyone. And I just went into hibernation, but that's how I grieved, which some people may or may not agree with, but that's how I found best to grieve with because I really needed time to slow down for me mm-hmm. because it was just me and my mom and I basically lost the only source or my only family here mm-hmm. because the rest of my family is in Vietnam, but I'm not close to them and it was just me and my mom my whole life. So when I suddenly lost my mom, I didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm not used to reaching out to people. I'd rather just uh, figure out what I need to do and move from there. And there's also some other backstory that's drama-related. Like, I don't know. I think I've said this on the podcast, but my mom's friend, who I really hated, she was like, oh, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm doing well. I'm in college. I'm just going to switch to psychology to finish my degree. And the first thing she said to me is, you shouldn't do that. You're all alone now. You need to think about your future. And that, like, broke me inside because I was like, I'm all alone now. And she's always been a major B-word. I've always hated her. But the fact that she said that to my face, like, I understand she had good intentions, and that's a very realistic way of thinking about life, which is, you know, you need to think about your future. You need to do what you can to make money, like, stabilize. But in the moment, when I'm emotionally fragile, that's actually not what I wanted to hear at all. Mm -hmm. It was, like, the worst thing I could hear at the time. And that's actually what made me close off from the rest of the world. She will probably know the da- she will never know the damage she did to me, but like I will hold that against her for the rest of her life. Because yeah, yeah. that was like the worst thing you could say to a nineteen year old who just lost their mother. But yeah. That was uh that's Asian culture. Yeah, that was definitely how I uh I grieved. And then my mom's other friend who was, I was actually close with her children, I call her like my aunt. But mm-hmm. She also ruined me because uh, I was close. So I grew up with her children. Her, I call them like my cousins or my brother and sisters. Yeah. But during this time in college, like a year or so later, I was more suicidal than usual. And I used to drive her daughter to college because we both went to George Mason. But then suddenly she, she like, I stopped driving her because her mom would always make all these excuses. I later found out it's because she thought I was going to kill her whole family because I was having suicidal thoughts. Mm. And this is coming from the person that I trusted because my, my mom actually wrote the will to her so to give to me. So she was supposed to be someone that took care of me after my mom passed away. But at the time, she, you know, she, she was, I understand where she was coming from because she hears all of these stories. Like Vietnamese people just hear all these stories and like that's what they based all of their facts on. Yeah. So... Like, I understand where no, she's coming from. No, it's true. I was just yeah. going to say that I, I don't know about other Asian cultures, but I know that 
in Vietnamese culture that mental illness is the most stigmatized that I've personally seen. Yeah. They, like, Vietnamese people are the least educated people I've ever seen about mental illness. Oh, yeah. And they, like, if you call somebody crazy, they take it highly offensive, first of all. And, like, you could be saying it as a joke. Like, that's crazy. And they'll be like, what did you say? You know what I mean? And then the other part of it is, like, because so much of, I mean, because Vietnamese people live to a certain age and they deal with, like, things like Parkinson's and dementia and Mm -hmm. those types of illnesses, Mm -hmm. it gets to a point where a lot of these families have had experience with mental illness, but they didn't, it's not really well categorized in Vietnam, as far as I know, at least in the experience that I've seen. So it gets heavily stigmatized that, like, if you show any symptom of, like, like I don't know like a little bit of imbalance in terms of like just like how you're feeling or like you're having a bad day like Mm -hmm. it just gets received very poorly and from what I've seen yeah yeah it definitely does that was uh I actually wrote her a note because I was very hurt by the incident telling her like I understand where she's coming from but what she did really hurt me and uh she we just couldn't see eye to eye because she her logic was like you know everyone has these kind of thoughts you just suck it up and deal with it and that just kind of fractured our relationship to this day we we still haven't made up and i still haven't talked to them but i do think about the what ifs of like what if i just reached out first and said hey i'm i'm better now but at the end of the day it's it's even worth it i in terms of family, I think... Well, I'm, not, I'm not doubting. I'm just curious if you if you think it's worth it or not. Well, that's the thing. is That's something I question myself all the time is, like, I can easily cut off everyone from my life. That's yeah. what I've been doing my whole life. And at a certain point, I have to figure out how much effort do I want to put into each friendship, relationship, all those things. And yeah. that's a question that I don't really have a line... I don't have a threshold because of how easily I've cut off people in the past in my life. Because my threshold is really low. Yeah. Right? So, I haven't determined at what point is too much effort for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it's really hard for me to say, is it worth it if I was to reconcile with her? Because I understand where she's coming from. She was just looking out for her family. Yeah. And, you know, she was raised in a different setting than I was. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, if I were to reconcile with her, it would also mean that I have to start going to all their family events and actually don't like going outside. So, it's, it's a huge debate for me. But do, you, do you have to go? Yeah, because, you know, I basically grew up with that entire... So, like, even though they're not my blood family, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is so, the okay. family that took in my so, mom. So outside of her, have you talked to any of her kids or any of that? I've or? talked to her daughter from time to time. Like, we were talking on Snapchat for a while. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really reach out to people too often. Like, we'll talk, like, once a year or so, twice a year, something like that. Um, but for the most part... And, you know, I, I grew up playing games with her son... But he has autism, so I actually don't have a way to contact him. But uh, I got along really well with her son because we played games all growing up. Like that was that was my entire childhood, just going over there playing games. Yeah. And uh, he's actually really really good at games. I wish he became a streamer, but they don't know about that life. I recommended it to them because I think he would do really well as a streamer. But that's for another story. But uh, yeah, no, I. It's just her daughter as the main point of contact, but at the end of the day, I'm still not ready to, I guess... Reach out. Yeah. I I mean, I've messaged her. I messaged her, like, last year, and I was just like, hey, how are you? And the first thing she does is, hey, did you get a better job yet? And I'm just like, oh, 
why is this so painful? Oh, I'm like, because I was like, I told her, I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my job. I'm happy with how much I make right now. I'm okay. And like her, her first instinct is just, hey, I know a better job for you. You can make more here. And I'm like, I understand that she's looking out for me, but it's very hard to talk to her. Yeah. 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 It's, I think it's, it's interesting that you, so something to highlight, I don't, I don't. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells because these are very sensitive subjects. Mm. So something to hi- so I don't want it to come off the wrong way. But something in common with both your stories that you shared is, are that uh, I feel like the older generation of Vietnamese people they're just so insensitive and so toxic. No, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, people suck. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, 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 no. I mean, that's why I tell people all the time I hate people. Yeah, they're worse. I have, I have no tolerance for it. But I mean, I, I, I grouped them with everyone. That's insensitive. I, I understand where they're coming from, but I just yeah, I grouped them with insensitive people. Yeah, for the longest time, like I was like blaming my dad for stuff because he just wasn't with our thought process. Yeah, yeah. but then I realized and accepted that you know that's what he thought at the time was right yeah mm-hmm. and you know ever since then i was like man i don't i don't blame my dad for the fact that we don't have that great of a relationship in terms of like you know bonding and stuff like that yeah you know, i just realized that you know he had to leave vietnam during the vietnam war he had to do what he had to do and at the time he thought that you know, working all the time and taking care of other people aside as a family, I, even though I laugh, I I don't really mean it, um, was the right thing, and that's perfectly that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found that the older generation's more focused on survival, and that's why I I am grateful for what I have because yeah, I get to focus exactly. on my mental. I don't blame him. I I am yeah. really grateful that he busted his ass so that yeah. I can go to school but and like live a better life that seems to be a common theme is like the older generation just wants to survive at the same time like I was like dang I wish you just like pushed me on the swings a little bit more you know it is it is a very complicated relationship and I've I've talked about my complicated relationship with my parents too because I've mentioned before like Nikki is actually friends with her parents Mm -hmm. and that's like such a foreign concept to me right it's because I, I tell her she's I, I told this just story on the podcast already as a joke but like it is it is a very it was a very real like culture shock for me where she was like yeah like me and my parents we used to eat breakfast every morning at 6 a.m together as a family at the table and we would talk and I was like hold on hold on wait wait <laughs> back up like one thing at a time here we gotta we gotta discuss this one you ate a meal together like your parents weren't working 14 hour days and like two it was breakfast yeah like the meal that I would never ever eat with my parents basically yeah. and then like three like you talked while you guys ate like that's these concepts were like yeah like did your parents laugh at your jokes <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I it's, it's all that was stuff was there laughter involved yeah like, exactly yeah, cause, cause like the only thing I ever talked about my parents was finances my education how I sucked compared to other kids oh, and um yeah you know like what I can do to get better or houses grandkids yeah. yeah, if it was anything outside of the, those things I just listed, it would be just like awkward silence. Yeah, or I would just do it and something else, and they would be doing something else more productive, so to speak. Yeah, and that's that's the challenge of it, right? Because 
I think as parents, and like Willie said it best, and I think we all understand this at this at this age in our lifetime, that parents just want you to be able to be okay if they're not around. Yeah. Like ultimately, that has always been their goal. Like their idea of success is survival, right? Mm-hmm. But like our idea of success is like thriving. It's not just surviving. It's like I intend to live a content life, whatever yeah. that means to me or to, to fo- yeah. Focus on balance. Yeah, we anything. have a different, way different. Surviving yeah. ain't living. Yeah. But to them, it's it's like, they have nothing. So like, it's either die or do or die, basically. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the, the craziest crazy thing also, is that like, like. Yeah, they're, they're, from, they're from a whole different country. Like, it's yeah, a like whole different. Abandoning yeah. everything you know just to try to get a better life is, yeah. I can't <laughs> contemplate it. Like I think honestly, and I and if I were guesstimating, just based on what I now understand about finance, if my parents wanted to retire, they probably could actually yeah. retire. But I honestly, legitimately think that my parents are—they would get bored. Yeah. Like because they don't really have hobbies. They just sit there and clean the house. They—I mean—they'll clean That's the house. Fun. They'll like check the news. They'll watch like some stuff on YouTube. My mom would—my mom is pretty religious, so like she'll do temple work, or whatever. But my dad is like. You know, like, he'll, his idea of a day off is, like, fucking doing, like, yard work. Yeah. Like, no, my dad is the same thing. Exactly. Like, that's oh. what I'm saying. They're working seven days a week, yeah. and then the day he wants to take off, he wants to go I'm out just gonna the go hot work, ass sun. I'm going to go work on the garden, sweat my ass wow. off, and cut off tree branches and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to flex on you guys, but my mom was a genius, and she had hobbies. She would spend all her time browsing the internet for recipes and then making very terrible versions of it. Everything I ate is either <laughs> Splenda related or some kind of low calorie. Dis- like that's why I actually hate Via Food because it's like the healthy version of like Bun Bao's, Bun Sale. Like everything Viet I ever had was so nasty at home. Oh, that makes so much sense why he doesn't like Bun Sale. Yes. I, oh. I actually like when you eat it at the restaurant. My mom would be like, "Oh, I can make this better," and then I'd be like, "Oh." Please, oh, and we go home, and she would make the healthier version of it. I'm just like, this is that does sound is, awful. Yeah, that does sound oh, awful. Yeah. That's that's my experience. my mom. Just like, if it doesn't have this, it's not gonna taste great. <laughs> and even if that this is so bad for you, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta have it. You just gotta. Have you it. gotta have the flat coconut soda. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I have I have the authentic versions of like restaurant food, and then I have my mom's version in my head, which is all terrible cooking. We gotta take it to Vietnam. I've been to Vietnam. That's how I know the food is good. I've had the authentic version, and then I've had my mom's version. And my mom would always be like, oh, this is delicious. And I'd be like, absolutely. And in my head, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is... But have you sat at a plastic chair on plastic stools outside of the plastic chair? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the true experience. I have. Did, you, did yeah. you then watch somebody eat bumboe and then eat the bone and then throw it on the ground? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. the yeah. true authentic experience. Oh, yeah, that is the true authentic experience. Seeing people just drive by with carts and stuff like that. Oh yeah, lottery tickets coming up to you with lottery tickets. Yeah, the kids in the fucking tickets. Yeah, Uh, we should have talked about that's a different podcast. But which, by the way, I want four million dome. (laughs) This is my opportunity to to talk about each and every one of your stories because I didn't start as the host of this episode because I just like sat and listened, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth talking about because I didn't have a story of that magnitude i would say like sure i've dealt with things but i will say like there's this level here that's different in a lot of ways but the first thing is like let's let's start with eddie's story right and we'll just go in that order like because i was just do my commentary slash wrapping the podcast up first 
I think it's worth noting because how difficult that was for you, Eddie. I think it also just shows like what kind of person you became from that. And that's not what anybody ever wants to hear. Because like you never want to say like this made you a better person because who knows if it did or it didn't. But what I'm saying is I didn't I don't think that somebody had to pass for that to happen, but I do think because somebody did pass under those circumstances it's made you a person that's one a understood that you need to take care of yourself but b it's important to bring people along with you and i think that's something that we saw in you right away when we first met you and i say we mean willie and i because we met you in person probably only five months ago i think now is the case before you abandoned us for new york (laughs) god damn i obviously had to slide that joke in but anyways the point i'm trying to make is is that the experiences that you've had in your lifetime have made you a person that some people can rely on and really talk to about these things because you like when you say you can call me and talk to me about anything I believe you when other people say that to me I don't really believe them like there's some people that say that to me I'm like yeah okay if I actually need something I will call that person yeah but like there's a lot of people that are like yeah if you need anything let me know and I'm just like I'm never going to talk to you ever again in my life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> For a fact, I know this is going to be the case. Yeah. But, like, you're one of those people that, like, you say, call me if you need me. I'm like, all right, if I actually need something, yeah, I'll call Eddie. Like, if I'm going to go to New York, then I'll be like, all right, Eddie, I'm coming up. And you'll say that, like, all right, this is the weekend. Uh, like, I'll reserve it. And, I, like, I'll believe you that you'll actually hang out with us that weekend, basically. Sure. Like, because you're so committed to your word and, like, being and taking care of the people around you I think that that's carried on because your friend meant so much to you yeah and I'm not saying that that was again I'm not saying it was a good thing that it happened I'm saying because it happened you've become something that the world needed basically then whether or not that's the whole world or the world around you that's really important I appreciate that right it's like, right. that, it's like that. It's like that ramen bowl analogy. You used. Yeah, it's 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 exactly that ramen bowl analogy that I used for that one episode that you paid two dollars for. Hey, <laughs> where I said you're like you're the definition of like comfort food, and ramen is intended to be comfort food because it's like I did all the description. I don't know what episode that is, but we can go back. Yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, jammy yeah. egg, the noodles that are a little bit crunchy, but just enough softness on the inside, and it's like you know that's Eddie because like. He does have a slightly tough exterior because when his hood comes out, it's hilarious. And I've told that story multiple times too, but one more time, why not? Because one time I was parking and like, so I was reversing into a parallel parking spot because that's the way you should go into a parallel parking spot. And somebody was trying to go in forward behind me and they honked at me. And then Eddie rolled down the back window and he was like, hey, y'all shut the fuck up though. Bitch ass in the bike lane, <laughs> something like that. I forget. But basically he said, hey, yo, shut the fuck up though. And then that person didn't honk, and they just scooted along. And I was like, ah, oh, this is great. This is a good time. <laughs> so then I rested my spine, and we carried on our day. That's good. But that's like, you know, that kind of protectiveness and loyalty is not something you'll see in everybody. Like, that that only comes along when somebody's been through something that's that's created an experience in them that makes them that way. And it's unfortunate that it happened to you, Eddie, but, I mean, I think anybody who's your friend is proud to say that they're your friend now. Does that make sense? I mean, except for Willie, because you abandoned him. 
but you know, aside from Willie. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Paul, right, okay, so let, let's let's talk about this because like I think we talked enough about Vietnamese parents and how challenging that can be. And I think ultimately, like I've discussed my challenging relationship with my parents where like I think they just want to know that you're going to be okay at some point without them, but also they just don't know how to express love. Yeah, like, I realize that too. Yeah, and once you realize the things that they do to express love, then you realize that they actually really do love you. You just They just don't know how to express it the way that you kind of interpret things. Because it is so challenging. Like, we've talked about it. Like, they came over from Vietnam. My parents came over from Vietnam. But we grew up in America, right, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So we're watching movies... Where, like, you're watching Home Alone, or, yeah, fucking Home Alone, and this kid gets left behind, and you're, like, relatable. And then you're also watching it, and they're, like, at the end, like, they're all hugging, and you're, like, nah, I'm pretty sure I would have been chilling at the airport still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, like, I say that as a joke, but, like, then it's one of those things where then you learn that your parents, your mom or your dad or whoever it may be, they cut you fruit, for example. And, like, when you're home... They slice a mango because they know that you love mangoes. And they slice it in cubes because they know that you like cubes. And that's the type of stuff that, like, unless you go on, like, later and then you just, like... There's, like, things like that that you'll realize later on. And even you telling that story that your dad said that he was proud of you in passing in conversation. Like, the fact that he said that at all, I feel like is such an important thing for you to carry with you for the rest of your life. Because parent like Vietnamese parents don't say that no they don't right they don't. and that's them like him saying it casually is the perfect example of that because they can't build into a big moment that's not something they've ever done I feel like yeah I've never had a critical moment where it was like built up and they were like all right we need to talk about this because you know what you got an A on this test son <laughs> if there yeah. was ever build up it was because I was about to get my ass beaten because I really oh, yeah. fucked something up. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. only time there was build up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the punishment was always that way. And, you know, our parents grew up in a different environment. And we've referenced that multiple times. But, like, their parents probably didn't give a fuck. Like, it was probably even worse for them. Yeah. And they probably sure. think they're being soft on us. Mm-hmm. But the whole point I'm trying to make is that, like, you can, you can process these what ifs and there's nothing wrong with that. But I honestly do think that because of this experience that, like, it didn't get to happen, it's because there was, a ch- like, your dad was coming up to visit you because he wanted to celebrate you. And he would have never said that because he's an Asian parent and I, that's just what it is. Mm. But, like, also him driving 15 hours is kind of that representation, right? Yeah. And then him having that call with you before a few months before. Yeah. And then just, like, doing those things, like, I've always basically recognized that the way Asian parents have a love language is, is, is tasks. It's literally the little things. It's just tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they're willing to wash your dishes after a meal, if they're willing to cut you fruit, and in this case, if they're willing to travel by car 15 hours to come see you. Clean your room, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Like... You know, like, they're more willing to buy you, like, six trays of bun bale instead of saying, I love you. (laughs) Or, like, to make sure that you have food for, like, a week or whatever. Mm. And it's stuff like that that it's just so challenging to deal with. But I honestly, really, truly do think that your dad 
was showing his affection that way by coming up to see you. Mm. And it's really, really unfortunate that what happened happened, but I don't think that you should ever think that your parents weren't proud of you. And the things that people will put on you because of your, your, your father's son, being the dutiful son is one thing, but being filling somebody else's shoes is just not fair. Like, you're just not... That's not... That's not at all realistic. Whatever I do in my lifetime is rarely... I mean, if I become a fucking billionaire, that's going to be pretty cool. But is it going to be as cool as my dad that came over from Vietnam, escaped war with his wife, had a child... Had a child on a boat in the Philippines. Yeah. And then had a hot dog cart and then worked in a hotel made money opened a store yeah. and then brought a bunch of family over from Vietnam to get their foothold in America exact, exactly like, no. Yeah, no it's not so if you're not ever going to do those exact same things at that magnitude you might as well forge your own path mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's completely unfair for those people to come at you and say you've got big shoes to fill if you have shoes to fill it is your own shoes to fill and it's your own path to walk because your dad is what the only thing that matters is that you make yourself proud because I think your dad saw that in you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you even said it yourself. It wasn't the money that made him proud. It was as soon as you said, I'm done with the hotel life and I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. And because you said it with conviction, he then said he was proud of you. And I think that counts for a lot because now you're taking a shape in your life that's like, okay, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's super important. Yeah. I realized all of this, like, probably a month after my dad passed away. So, you know, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, if, even if you realized it, and I hope that I, I had nothing to do with it, I just wanted to reiterate it. Because I yeah. think if you hear it from somebody else, it no, just, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. No, but truly. To quote Airbender, one of my favorite lines from Avatar The Last Airbender is from Iroh, where he says, while everybody should believe in themselves... It's, this is not an exact quote, because I don't know the exact quote, but it's like, while you should always believe in yourself, the blessings of others is not ever something turned down or something like unwelcome. it. Unwelcome. Unwelcome or something like that. I forget exactly what the quote is. Yeah. And it's it's so true, because like, I do think you should believe in yourself, but when other people confirm things for you, or just like prop you up a little bit, it always matters. Mm-hmm. Like it never, it never hurts to hear it from somebody else that you like respect or just like are friends with or whatever it may be. Like you, yeah. you just have to like hear it from a second source sometimes and you're like ah I am doing the right thing I do believe in what I'm doing and then Willie thank you you're welcome happy to talk through these last however minutes I've been going on (laughs) and in Willie's case I do remember this happening because I was actually there for this event for most of it I wasn't physically there but I was there in terms of being around and I think one of the things that (laughs) One of the things that's really wonderful about Willie's mom is that she was, in fact, just, like, a very nice person. But she just... You could tell how much she loved her son. Because I remember when Willie was being dropped off to stay over for a weekend to play games. When he was borrowing a laptop back when. He was he was being dropped off. And then, normally, I guess... A kid gets dropped off at a house, and then, you know, the the parents drive away. Willie's mom got out of the car, dropped him off, and was like, make sure my son does his homework, and he gets food, 
and when you guys play video games, don't stay up too late. Like, and she like said all this stuff to me. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. But we're definitely gonna stay up too late playing video games and all this stuff. <laughs> we'll try our best to be. And so like I, rules. yeah, I only met her a couple of times, but you could tell that she really, really loved her son. And I think when you think about what that meant and like how challenging that can be, I think. I don't think that your grieving process is wrong, Willie. Like, anybody who says that is is silly because when you go through something, and, I mean, it's not always the same level of magnitude, but sometimes you do just want the world to stop because you're processing that thought where, like, oh, like, things are still happening. Like, school is still happening. My friends are still living their lives. My friend, this one is still struggling with a girl. This one is still studying for this test. This one is still going to work or whatever. Yeah. And... It's so challenging because you're realizing, like, that the world has nothing to do with you. Like, you have your impact on your, like, small bubble. And it's like having to do those two things at the same time where you're processing grief and then realizing that you have effect on your bubble and your bubble only is such a different thing. They're two different things that you're trying to process at the same time. And it's so challenging, right? And because of that... It, it, it like gets to a point where you don't know what to do because you kind of get paralyzed by that. And the fact that like, I remember this too, because some, like, I remember when you, that person came to you and said, get a better job. Cause I remember, cause Willie called me. This is one of the few times that I do remember Willie called me and he came over and he was just saying like, you know, this is like, he was, he was really upset. Screw this bitch. <laughs> he said screw this bitch, but he was really upset. And I was just like, you know, honestly, I'm only one year older than Willie. What wisdom do I have? But basically, I was just like, you might as well just do what you want to do. Like, I like to have the pressure of others on you like that is just unfair. Yeah. And, like, then me and Willie were talking about it, and Willie's like, she was right, though. Like, what can I do with a psychology degree? I was like, I don't know, bro. Like, go become an education counselor or something. Like, we talked about And, like, that's what I think is, like, so crazy to me is that somebody would go and say, can you do better? And it's like, what even is better? Is it not better to have a balanced life when something that, like, doing something I want to pursue and I want to achieve and I want to help others that have been in a similar scenario? No, because to them it's about money, right? But for us, it's different. And that's why I think we have a value in life that's just different than the previous generation. And for Willie, like... I've seen such resiliency from so many difficult events in his lifetime. And he could cut anybody out of his life, sure. But I like to think that, like, I'm uncuttable, right? Because I'm, like, family at this point. And I've always, I always joke about this because Willie says, like, <laughs> he says I don't even like my life. I forget something about friends. And I'm like, I'm sitting right here. He's like, but your family. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> And that's one of those things where, like, I don't try to intrude in your life, Willie. I just try and keep a watchful eye and say, this is when, A, I like, I know that Willie likes to be invited to things, and B, he likes to refuse to go to these things as well. Yeah, I learned that too. So it's like, okay, like, if you want, I'll ask, I'm, like, about to go bouldering in an hour. I don't think you're going to go, but if you'd like to go, feel free to meet me at the gym. And then he's like, I'm dead. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, that's, that's okay. Yeah. And that's, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just one of those things that, like, the previous generation is not going to understand. That thinking and that process of, like, doing to do 
and like doing for your own health and for your own achievement and for your own fun. Like part of me wonders if the idea of like recreationally climbing is ever, cause that's what I do personally for fun. Right. But that idea is probably so foreign and crazy to my parents that it's just like, you could die on there. Like, why would you do why this? Why would you spend your energy to climb this rock when you can cut the lawn? When you can, <laughs> when you can garden, you know, dig holes for the vegetables, you know? Yeah. Take the stairs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or take the stairs. Go but climb the stairs for free. <laughs> climb the stairs for free. <laughs> yeah. But basically, that is to say that I... I used a, sim- a similar analogy once when it, we were looking through Willie's Instagram. Because originally I said Eddie is like this bowl of ramen that he took a picture of. And I saw there was a picture in Willie's Instagram because we were doing an exercise in, or we were playing uh, We're Not Really Strangers. And the picture that I picked is him with an L-Block cosplayer from Tetris. And I think that is the most accurate picture of Willie I've ever seen in my lifetime. Because... While I didn't know exactly where I was going with it, it just felt like the right thing to say because it was it was a backwards L. And my whole point was that Willie has taken a lot of L's in his lifetime, but he's shown such resiliency to just reverse those L's and make them something that they're not and just continue to impress in different ways. Like, it's it astounds me that Willie can have this dark humor despite all of the things that have happened to him and still make people laugh. Like, that is an astounding, incredible way of helping people around him. Like, that level of trolling is only possible if you're carefully meticulous about what you say and how you say it. Because there's a certain level of acceptable, like, darkness for a lot of people. But for Willie, there's no cap. Like, yeah. not not that there's no lying, but there's no, like, limit to it, basically. <laughs> And so that's why I think it's incredible that it's like people just accept that around him because yeah. it's funny at every level if you if you just understand where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you basically said what I wanted to say in the last podcast like just a hundred times better than what I said. In the last <laughs> podcast, which is funny because it might release after this episode because yeah. there's a bunch of these episodes being recorded yeah, so back we'll, to back. We'll see. So now that we have another long form episode, it's time to wrap up this podcast unless people have something else. No? No, no. We'll call it the what if episode. Okay. Yeah. The what if. Woo! <laughs> if you like this podcast and you'd like to do thoughts, comments, concerns, want to be on this podcast, no happiness podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can follow, like, subscribe on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Woo! Woo! Woo. No. Okay, bye. <laughs>